That is the most American you've ever sounded. <laughs> You're welcome. I did that just for you. Emily just shouted, let's get her done right as we were about to press record. You want me to do it again? <laughs> no. No, that was perfect. That's the American version of, now she's sucking diesel. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I used to have a drama teacher that used to say that all the time, and he was very creepy, and it was just worse when he said it for some reason. Yeah, it's a weird, uh, weird phrase. You know that whole phenomena of referring to vehicles as she? Yeah. So, yeah, it comes from that. My chair is just sliding away right now. Forgive me. <laughs> We're going to have some beautiful background sounds. I've got the cold November rain on the window outside, and uh, Emily's just chair farting. <laughs> I told Neve before, but I don't think the people listening other than my husband know about the fact that the floor in this room is not even. And from where I'm sitting, it's like higher. And so mm -hmm. occasionally my chair will just like roll to the middle of the room. <laughs> yeah. Which is not fun when you're trying to work on stuff. But you know, here we are. There's like a How I Met Your Mother episode where they have a completely, well, it's not an episode. It's like a recurring thing. Where they're living in an apartment that has a slanted floor. Oh my god. And it's just many things just going and making a diagonal diagonal gesture. It's like a very special hell to live in when your floors are not level. I can I can imagine because it's bad enough when you have a kitten who keeps batting stuff under things. <laughs> Currently his his victim list is he has got rid of the charging case for my wireless headphones. I have no idea where the hell those are every earring or um lots of different makeup items too yikes um i have no idea where they're going so if you have that but without the cat aspect uh my sympathy is with you <laughs> yeah we don't really struggle with stuff disappearing quite as much but just you know nothing is level and yeah. it sucks <laughs> your house is pretty like vintage isn't it yeah it's very old it was built in 1885 so yeah. She's been here a minute. <laughs> She's good 100 years older than my apartment, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to shout out Cassie again because I just saw Hi, Cassie. I just saw her last night and she one scolded me because I called her my cousin's or my husband's cousin and she was like, "Shut up. I'm your cousin." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, okay. Cousin Cassie." <laughs> But then she was talking to me about the show and was super interested in the, the interdimensional hypothesis stuff. Mm -hmm. She was like, can you guys do an episode about spooky kids? And I was like, like, what kind of spooky kids? <laughs> and then she started saying stuff about like, like body takeovers or something. And I'm like, like, you mean possessions? And she's like, maybe mm -hmm. that's too scary. <laughs> we could uh, meld that into our changeling stuff. Yeah. I've been meaning to do a changeling episode, so we could do like a creepy kids changeling kind of thing. There's also the dead-eyed children. That's a phenomenon that I feel like I've read about. Oh, wait, is this the, is this like the, sort of like the men in black thing? Mm, I think so. Where they like show up at your door with like an apple or something. They're like, yeah, can I like get they... ketchup for my apple? And you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And they'll like, they'll keep knocking to try and get in. Yeah, I feel like I listened to a very good podcast about that, but it's completely gone out of my head. Pretty creepy. Yeah, so we can definitely, um, that can be on the on the list because today's episode title was something that, because I was looking at my list, none of it was jumping out at me, making me want to do it. So I sort of floated the idea with Emily and she was like, ooh, that would be cool. And then I floated the idea with you and then he was like, why? So <laughs> <laughs> Emily's the only opinion that I care about. Yes, thank you. I am a higher rank than your husband, which <laughs> makes me happy. <laughs> In fairness, I think Ewan didn't really know what angle we were taking um, because he just thought I was like going to talk about the phenomenon and like the scientific thing of it. And oh, I was okay. like, does it fit in with your podcast? And I was like, yes, because. So I should actually say what our subject is. Also, we didn't introduce ourselves. <laughs> Whoops. This is Rowan and Pine, a podcast about spooky things, supernatural, folklore, folk tales, things like that. My name is Emily. And my name is Neve, And we're your hosts. We write, record, produce, edit, distribute. We do all of this for no money. So 
please listen and give us five stars. Oh, that was something else Cassie said. She was like, you guys need merch. She was like, so I can wear a t-shirt and then my baby can also wear a t-shirt. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Baby t-shirts. That sounds amazing. That would amazing. be really cute. Yeah. I know some babies. They would wear t-shirts. <laughs> anyway, your topic today. Yes. My topic today is sleep paralysis. Just for any of you who um, are maybe binge listening and have not looked at your phone to look at the episode title. Because I always think it's a bit redundant when people tell you what the episode title is, but then you're like, yeah, actually some people aren't looking at their phones, so they might not know. Right. So yes, the reason why we're looking at sleep paralysis, although we know it seems to be reasonably well studied and well debunked, uh, which I'll get into, for a lot of human history, it wasn't fully understood. So there were a lot of really cool and really scary and really interesting explanations for sleep paralysis throughout different cultures. So that is what we want to get into today. And I'm so excited to hear about it. Yeah. Because yeah, initially when you said sleep paralysis, I was like, oh, but kind of the same reaction mm -hmm. as you and had is like we know what it is yeah. pretty much but yeah folklore surrounding it and how different cultures view it and stuff like that is going to be super interesting yes well hopefully hopefully i'll do it justice. <laughs> you will and also just a disclaimer i'm not going to be able to uh, cover every culture's uh interpretation in one of the sources I read, they said that they had collected 118 different uh, explanations for sleep paralysis. So I can't really get into that. Otherwise, um, you guys would have to uh, make me give up my job and pay me somehow. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I want to make a note of that, I guess, because we'll cover stuff, but mm -hmm. a lot of times we can't cover every single aspect of every topic because yes. a lot of times it's just a lot of information. So It is a lot. It's sort of like a, you get like a slice of the cake. And then yeah. if you want to return to get more cake, you can do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we will serve you a single slice and then you can decide if you want to eat the rest of the cake. And we're also limited slightly by language barriers. Like there was some really cool sounding things that I came across, but I wasn't able to search for it as well as I would have if it was something that was going to be written about in English. Yeah. Like the search terms aren't really going to flag something in, say, like Portuguese or, or Spanish or, or something like that. Right. So that's our little sub disclaimer upon the disclaimer. Yes. Okay. To start us off, I find a pretty good description. Um, This is actually from a thesis um, on sleep paralysis. So shout out to a guy called David Hufford. So his description goes like this. Imagine you awake suddenly, uncertain of what woke you. Your bedroom is dark, and it seems as though it has been only minutes since you slid into bed. You had been reading, your tablet must have turned off and falling to the side. It had been a stressful day and you were exhausted. It is completely dark in your room except for a bit of soft moonlight coming through the window, just enough to see shadows. You suddenly hear a rustling in the corner. Like a reflex, you attempt to jolt your head to look, but you cannot move your neck. You cannot move your arms either. You suddenly realize you cannot move at all. Fear grips you. A few seconds have passed since you awoke and you hear the rustling again. Something or someone is in the corner. Who or what could it be? You remain frozen. You try, but you cannot see past the edge of the closet. You can make out the shadows in the opposite corner from where the noise came. Is the bedroom door open? You know you closed it when you came to bed, but the door is definitely open. You're in full panic mode now. It's getting difficult to breathe. You hear the truder moving towards you. There is a tremendous pressure on your chest. You attempt in vain to gasp for air. Someone or something is holding you down. You try to shake it off, but cannot move. It is crushing the breath out of you. Your heart is pumping so hard that you fear you may have a stroke. That is, if you do not suffocate first. You try to yell, but only a muffled moan comes out. Suddenly the intruder is gone and you can move. You can take a deep breath. In fact, you realize that now you're panting and sweating. Your tablet is right by your side where it fell out of your hand. Somewhat tentatively, you turn on a lamp, lean up and turn to look at the corner where the creature, whatever it was, was hiding. The only thing in the corner is the laundry basket you left there. The bedroom door is closed. Confused and worried about what has just occurred, you turn onto your side and try to get back to sleep. The light is still on. So I think that is a, a pretty accurate description of what it's like to experience sleep paralysis. Emily, have you ever experienced sleep paralysis? I was just about to ask you the same question. 
<laughs> it was just after I moved here and I moved in with Medardo. It might have just been because it was like a super stressful situation. I was having like a lot of anxiety about just being so far away from everything I'd ever known. But he had to get up really early for work at this point in time. He would leave by like 4.15 in the morning or something like that. So he was gone really early when it was still dark. I kept having these like creepy sleep paralysis experiences where I would be laying in bed, he would leave and you know, like in my waking brain, I know that I was kind of like half asleep, but I would be like looking through like our doorway, which we don't have a door or well, this bedroom that we were staying in. We didn't have a door on it and we would leave the light on in the living room so that it would just be like, you know, so you don't trip when you're getting up to go to the bathroom or anything. So like the doorway was lit up and I would have these visions of like a shadow coming in through the doorway. And one of the scariest ones was so like a shadow came in through the doorway and then it disappeared. And then all of a sudden like shadowy hands were like coming at me across the bed. No. And I like couldn't move. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, get him away from me. Yeah. <sighs> so... That happened quite a few times, but it hasn't really happened since, knock on wood. Yeah, that is horrible because it's your own brain doing it, right? So your own brain knows exactly what is the most terrifying thing right. and what's the most logical thing. Yeah. It's happened to me a couple of times, but only one time that I really remember there being a presence in the room with me. And it was when I went to college the first time. <laughs> It's a college <laughs> dropout here. I went back in my late 20s. It's fine. Um, but you are now a successful... <laughs> I'm going to call you a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm technically a lawyer. I went to college in Dublin um, after after school. So I would have been like in my early 20s um, when this happened. And I remember I was not doing well at college. Um, I was pretty like sort of disillusioned with the whole thing. Pretty depressed about it. And... I had been told by like one of my tutors that the head of the department wanted to have a meeting with me the next morning to discuss my future on the program. Oh no. And I was somebody that like, I never really got in trouble at school or anything like that. So this was pretty alien for me to... Wow, you and I are the same because I never got in trouble in school. Yeah. <laughs> so I just could not handle it that like I had come to the notice of somebody in authority start sweating because i wasn't doing well <laughs> yeah like i would i would like not show up and and all of that like just just classic like early 20s things um <laughs> but i remember going to sleep in my my room that night in dublin and now i like i grew up in in a small town in donegal so like living in the city already was like a massive change for me how big is dublin well by like American city standards, it's tiny. Um, it's got a population of, okay. of one million. <laughs> oh, that's not that's not as small as you made it yeah. sound like. Okay. All right, that's fine. In fairness to Dublin, it's like a population of one million, but that's like a quarter of the entire population of Ireland. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, because like I come from Minneapolis and Minneapolis doesn't even have a million people. Oh so, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I remember going to sleep and like being stressed about it. Like I remember like I was like reading and watching stuff until I fell asleep because, you know, I just didn't want my brain to be going through the whole thing. Like, oh my God, what's going to happen? What's she going to say? Blah, blah, blah. Right. I don't remember falling asleep, but I remember opening my eyes in the room and I could see somebody standing by the door with their hood up. No. And now in Dublin... Even now, they have a pretty bad problem with, like, young guys who are, like, you know, quasi-gangs. Like, you know, they're interested in, like, you know, drugs and, and all of that kind of stuff. Trying to, like, make a name for themselves. Trying to be tough. Right. And it was, that was, it's worse now, but that was true at that time as well. So, like, the most logical intruder to be in my house in Dublin would be, like, a young guy in a hoodie. Oh, my gosh. So, I just remember somebody standing by the door completely in the shadows with his hood up and he like broad shoulders of a guy 
And I remember like my stomach, like my stomach was dropping and I remember like trying to move and I could not move. And I remember trying to scream and I could not scream. And then just like that, I could move again and I blinked and there was nobody there, nothing there. But wow. I still in my brain as clear as day can remember what that looked like. Like yeah. there was a guy, a guy standing in my room with his hood up. Like it was so just. creepy. And there wasn't even anything there. Like there wasn't even like a coat on the wall or anything like that that right. could have could have made that shape. There was absolutely nothing there. But it was, yeah, obviously something that just my brain made up, and um, scared the shit out of me. So. Yeah, that's scary. Our old neighbor, she told me one time that she used to struggle with sleep paralysis a lot, but hers was like not really scary. She said she would always have like this reoccurring sort of like dream thing that prom was happening in her bedroom. <laughs> Isn't that so strange? That's so strange. I was like, that's so like, usually it's like really scary, but she just mm. dreamt that there was like a party happening in her bedroom. <laughs> she was like <laughs> stuck on her bed. <laughs> like, how am I going to get all of these people out of here? Right. Damn it. All now these I have drunk to clean teenagers. Up, right. <laughs> <laughs> After scaring the shit out of you guys by telling our own story and the really detailed descriptor of sleep paralysis, just to put your mind at ease, I'm going to talk about what sleep paralysis actually is um, before we get into any of the creatures or anything like that. So Science. Science. Recurrent isolated sleep paralysis, um, or ASP for short, is listed as rapid eye movement sleep-related parasomnia by the International Classification of Sleep Disorders. So sleep paralysis has often been portrayed by the arts by many writers, including Dostoevsky, by artists such as Heinrich Fusli, and his painting is called The Nightmare. If you want to look it up, captures the experience of ISP with a malevolent presence sitting on the chest while the victim lies flaccid and helpless. It is a pretty creepy painting. Yeah. Have you seen it? The nightmare. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's a horse in the corner of the painting. The horse looks a little bit like Donkey from Shrek, but... And if you just hold on to that thought, that fact that there's a horse in it, because that will come back later. Sleep paralysis is defined as a recurrent inability to move the trunk and all of the limbs at sleep onset or upon awakening from sleep. And each episode can last from a few seconds to a few minutes. It causes significant distress including bedtime anxiety or a fear of sleep. The episodes resolve spontaneously or upon sensory stimulation, for example, when another person touches the person or an alarm clock sounds, or sometimes also by subject-initiated movement of the eyes. So if you're able to like move your eyes around, that can like wake up the rest of your body. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's good to know. It can also be accompanied by very intense and vivid hallucinatory experience, uh, which may be visual, tactile, or auditory. For example, the sense of a presence in the room. However, RISP is a benign phenomenon. No harm will actually come to you. Right. Predisposing factors include sleep deprivation and jet lag. Therefore, all patients with sleep paralysis should be screened for sleep quality and insomnia symptoms. Yeah, it's funny how both of our stories about sleep paralysis, like you were living in a city that you're yeah. not from. I yeah. moved to a new city. Mm -hmm. You were stressed out about college. I was just stressed out about the fact that I was living in a new place and everything was different. Yeah, exactly. So uh, linguistically speaking, before the 15th century, uh, the word nightmare was synonymous to a spiritual attack believed to be orchestrated by a witch. However, under the influence of enlightenment, the nightmare became grouped under a larger category of bad dreams and lost its specificity to sleep paralysis characteristics. So at one point, nightmare only referred to sleep paralysis. Oh, okay. It wasn't just like a bad dream. Yeah. The word nightmare, the mare part of it, comes from an old English term for an evil spirit that was supposed to settle on a sleeper's chest and cause a feeling of suffocation. Interesting. But we also know that mare means an adult female horse. so <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So it became as a merging of two English words. So often a sleep paralysis entity would have been described or depicted as an evil horse. Which is why the horse is in the painting? Yes, which is exactly okay. why the horse is in the painting. In German, 
the word Nachtmara, which sounds sounds like nightmare, actually means night crusher. So it's crushing your chest. So much more metal. Yeah, Nachtmara. <laughs> There's definitely either, if not a metal band, a metal song called that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there is. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep paralysis, hallucinations. They come in three different categories. Intruder hallucinations, which is what you and I both experienced. Uh, seeing yeah. or sensing something in the bedroom, like a dangerous person or a menacing presence. This type of hallucination originally would have been where the incubus legend and the incubus hallucinations came from. And we'll get into incubi and succubi later on. Oh boy. Oh boy. Incubus hallucinations are also a category of hallucination, but it just means a hallucination where you feel like you're being suffocated or that something is being pressed onto your chest. And I apologize to anybody listening to this who is suddenly feeling like tight in the chest right now, because <laughs> I know me talking about it has probably given you that feeling, but um, you're yeah. fine. <laughs> you're fine. Take a deep breath, breathe yeah. through your diaphragm. And then the third category is vestibular motor hallucinations. So that involves imagined sensations in the body, including movement, out of body experiences, or feelings of bliss, which um, I don't know, depending on how your neighbor's prom was going. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, as we know, like there, it's visual, sensitive. You feel like there's somebody in the room. Sometimes they may feel like they can feel something crawling up onto the bed. Um, I was actually re-listening to Ghost Stories episode, and Nicole mentioned uh, feeling like what she thought was a dog jumped on her bed when she was a child, which could also be explained by uh, sleep paralysis. Interesting subjects. Describe the episode as intensely frightening, even after understanding the disorder is benign and self-limiting. And as we know, ISP or RISP is part of the mythology of some cultures attributed to supernatural forces such as witchcraft or in more modern times, UFO encounters. Did you say supernatural horses? Forces. <laughs> <laughs> I heard horses. I was like, supernatural horses? We all love supernatural horses. Unless they're sitting on you or on your bed. Modern scientists obviously consider sleep demons to be hallucinations, but it's not the first or only interpretation of this phenomenon. Throughout history, societies have developed their own explanations of these experiences stemming from a unique cultural context. So we're going to get into some of them right now. The Lilithu. It's some of the earliest writing related to sleep paralysis and it originates in from around 2400 BC uh, from wow. Mesopotamia. Uh, the accounts refer to Lilithu, who is a female demon. It is from that folklore that the earliest concepts of incubus, succubus and the nightmare descended. And I think it's interesting as well that Lilith was the original, she's like the first demon. Yeah. She's like, I think some... Do like some people say that she's like the devil's wife or something, the devil's bride? I so, think so. Or like she cheated on the devil. I don't know. It's something. She's yeah. pretty scandalous. That's all I know. Uh, so the nightmare in Europe during the Middle Ages, the term nightmare referred to a supernatural entity, typically female, that positioned herself on top of a person's chest to suffocate them. Medical explanations before the 20th century suggested that the nightmare was caused by stagnant blood or vapors rising from the stomach affecting the nervous system. I love that old-timey medicine. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> the Inuit believed that shamans are the main source responsible for the, now please bear with me, Ukumangernik. <laughs> I can put the source in here. That is 100% not right. I apologize if anybody's listening going, oh my God, she just butchered my language. I'm not familiar. And hey, I tried. <laughs> yeah. I tried looking it up. <laughs> yeah, she was saying before the episode started, she was like, I was looking all over the internet and I couldn't find it. So yeah. at least you tried. You did your part to try to make it the proper pronunciation. Yes. So traditionally, shamans exert a benign influence by organizing activities like rites of passage and the interpretation of dreams. There are reports of some shamans who are involved in power disputes casting spells on their opponents. And one of these spells consists of attacking the enemy as they sleep, since it is the moment of connection between body and soul. And it's when the bond between body and soul is most fragile. So if a shaman can separate the soul from the body, then the individual dies. Spooky. That's a lot of, a lot of power to have. <laughs> yeah, it really is. 
In Brazilian folklore, we have the Pisadera, who was an old woman who lies in wait on roofs and walks on the chests of people who sleep on their back with full bellies. So if you have a giant male, this uh, creature who has, she normally looks like a hag and has horrible long gnarled fingers and she comes in your window when you fall asleep on your back. Uh, so she can sit on your chest. That's probably just the sensation of you laying down <laughs> after you've eaten way too much. <laughs> yeah. They always say, don't lay down after you've eaten uh, like a big meal. In Catalonia, the Pesanta is a black animal, usually a dog or a cat, that invades houses at night and steps over people's chests, disturbing their breath and causing nightmares, similar to the Pesadera. Curiously, both Pesanta and Fradino de Mauferrada who originated the Pisadera, have holes in their hands. Ew. Yeah, isn't that gross? That is gross. Just making her like even more disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the, um, it was like a really creepy video. Uh, there was somebody like in the ICU or something like that. And there was like a camera on the room because I don't even know. Possibly but, um, security maybe. Yeah, especially like in an ICU room. Like this person was hooked up to like a lot of machines. But then all of a sudden there's like this like uh like shadowy little like like weird hunched over kind of like gremlin looking figure. Mm. And it's like standing on this person. Shut and up. Like, yeah. I'll need to look it up because it's a super creepy video. But I was thinking yeah. about it and I'm like, what if sleep paralysis like I'm trying to think of the right word, but what if it's like you're dreaming of it, but you're actually like kind of like manifesting it in real life? Mm-hmm. And like it was like this person was like kind of having like sleep paralysis, and then it like showed up on video or something. I don't even know, but it's a super creepy video. Yeah, I'm gonna need to see that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Scare the shit out of myself. It will give you <laughs> nightmares. It is very terrifying. One of the texts that I was reading about sleep paralysis had a catch-all term, which I think is really creepy for um, all of these creatures, and they just called it the stranger, Oh, which I like. I don't know why that makes it worse. I just got <laughs> chills. That's just, yeah. it's just so creepy. <laughs> Hide me. In Japan, the stranger is called Kanashibari, and many believe the figure is a retaliating spirit or ancestor. In Thailand, the nightmares are known as Fium which means being enveloped by a ghost. Hawaii is, I don't know, fuck. If you heard this, <laughs> like, you just shit yourself. Uh, in Hawaii, people who suffer from sleep paralysis are haunted by night marchers who are respected warriors from the ancient days. The sound of their footsteps and pounding drums as they walk is fearful because of the belief that looking into the eyes of the warriors will bring death. Interesting. So that's like bringing in, like, your auditory hallucination as yeah, well. Yeah, that's what... Like a lot of times we'll be going to bed and then all of a sudden my daughter's like, did you just say something? I'm like, no. <laughs> There's a really sad one. So refugees see seem to suffer terribly from sleep paralysis, which obviously like they're going through such a horrible experience. Right. Because the phenomenon is associated with panic disorder and a post-traumatic stress disorder. But in particular in Cambodia, Sleep paralysis is translated as the ghost pushes you down. And in several of their accounts, the apparition takes the shape of individuals who are murdered during the brutal Khmer Rouge regime. So it's from this specific period of conflict within Cambodian history. I actually, maybe a month ago, I was listening to a podcast on this very thing. Oh, wow. It was more about the therapist who stepped in to help the refugees that lived in the U.S., Okay. But it was like this weird thing and they all were getting put on all these unnecessary medications and stuff like that because people were like, well, they're schizophrenic or they have this or whatever. Yeah. But they just were suffering from PTSD from like all this unresolved trauma from the war. Oh my God. Yeah. Another account from like Cambodian culture, there is a trio of humanoid creatures covered in fur with long fangs that layer over the side of your bed. I would be <sighs> creeped out, but it also sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine what you would draw of that. Like, I know, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> this actually specifically goes into possibly like what you were listening to as well. Um, Cambodian refugees in the US, um, 
the sleep paralysis encounter is culturally linked to sudden unexpected nocturnal death syndrome, which is a mysterious pattern of deaths in healthy adults that now appears to be an inherited heart disorder known elsewhere as Brugada syndrome. Is that like the, um, it's like sudden infant death syndrome, but it's like for adults? Yeah, although I've I've seen sudden adult death syndrome described. Maybe this is just another name for it. Okay. Yeah, I think it might be the same thing because that was the like sudden adult death syndrome yeah. is always when people are asleep. In many East Asian cultures, sleep paralysis is considered an unsuccessful attempt by a demon to kill the dreamer. Ironically, the fear of an encounter elevates the likelihood of an encounter. <laughs> the vicious cycle. <laughs> that just sucks. When you want to have friends and you think everybody hates you, mm-hmm. then everybody's more likely to hate you and yeah. you're more likely to not have friends. <laughs> exactly. Complete catch-22. You're screwed either way. So another one that we're probably loosely familiar with is the jinn. Some people in Egypt attribute sleep paralysis to jinn, which are supernatural creatures associated with witchcraft, madness, and nightmares. And these creatures are able to terrify or possess a sleeping person. Yikes. There was the belief that the incubus and the succubus, which they are attributing the incubus and the succubus to Roman Italy, seems to be like the origins. But there's also a interpretation of it that it was only after Christianity. So the incubus and succubus, the encounters were sexual in nature. Yeah. So that it would usually be like the incubus or the succubus was trying to like reproduce or like make you have like the devil spawn or (laughs) I was actually listening to a podcast the other day where they believed it was actually a red handed were doing a two parter on witchcraft and they were talking about how they believed that incubi and succubi were sent by the devil to be able to impregnate women. They had this really weird way of like blaming it all on the women that was like you were a succubus and then the woman transformed into an incubus and then had sex with a woman. Okay. So it was like, okay. it was all the same creature the whole time. <laughs> I'm mad now. <laughs> it's always our fault. <laughs> it's always our fault. Speaking of creepy as fuck women, there is a Native American creature called the Spider Woman who would descend from the ceiling, wrap up the sleeper and sing songs to them. And then later the Deer Woman would come and stand at the foot of their bed. But it has to be said that the Spider Woman and the Deer Woman are part of their religious traditions. So that's interesting that it's not quite as like malevolent as the other creatures that we were talking about. Yeah. Because... As we said, before the Enlightenment, these were sexual encounters, although like obviously not wanted or welcomed or anything like that. It seemed to take on a more menacing note once the Enlightenment came about, once Christianity took over. So it was a way of explaining them as the devil's work and being less about like a sexual energy and more about murder. (laughs) Just (laughs) devils trying to kill people and hurt people. Murder. So I thought we could bring it up to the modern age. So I have two case studies of more modern creatures that um, are explainers for sleep paralysis. And one of them is believed to be the inspiration and the precursor to our old friend, Freddy (laughs) Krueger, and that is the hat man. So (sighs) this is something that I... I had actually mentioned to Emily when I was talking about doing this episode because I was like, I feel like I've watched like a TV show or a documentary where they were talking about how a lot of people were seeing the same thing. And the one that stuck out in my head was the hat man. So it would be a man wearing a wide brim hat. And if you think back to Freddy Krueger, that's exactly how he's dressed. Right. I don't understand why it makes him scarier, but it just does. Yeah, it just does. It's kind of like the like the woman in white. It somehow makes it scarier. Because they have this distinguishing characteristic that you know them when you see them. Yeah. And I looked up, there is an entire Reddit forum uh, dedicated to people telling their experiences of seeing the hat man. Some people seem to see him dressed in different eras of clothing. So like there was one guy that was saying that he was dressed like 1940s gangster. (laughs) Like, oh, (laughs) changing it up there, hat man. (laughs) He's like, Al Capone was just here. (laughs) But I think part of the mythology and a part of the fear around the hat man is he typically has no discernible face. 
and either no visible eyes or his eyes are glowing. So I hate it. I hate it so much. I don't like any part of that. And no. he can fuck off and stay out of my room. <laughs> Buy a hat, man. <laughs> uh, so I have a account. Full disclosure, this gave me absolute chills when I was when I found it. And I was like, I have to read that out. Perfect. So this is an account of somebody's uh, experience seeing the hat man. As her eyes adjusted to the darkness, Stacy could clearly make out the outline of a humanoid finger standing behind the white picket fence Wait. that surrounded her yard. <laughs> you said humanoid finger. <laughs> okay i'll try that again i did not even notice i was like just a finger <laughs> <sighs> okay as her eyes adjusted to the darkness stacy could clearly make out the outline of a humanoid figure standing behind the white picket fence that surrounded her yard as stacy watched fearfully the being began to sidle in a strange sideways motion all the while keeping its outstretched arms on the top fence post. No, I don't like it. I, I don't like I it. I hate this so much. Like, why is he outside? Why is he outside with his arms out? Why is he going sideways? Why does he exist? We don't like you. Just go away. When she noticed the audible crunching of dried leaves beneath the entity's feet, Stacy was quite sure that she was not dreaming nor imagining things. Understandably terrified, the young girl dove underneath her sheets, quaking in fear until morning. Her adamant attempts to wake her aunt, who was sleeping next to her at the time, were futile. It almost seemed as if her aunt had been in a trance. Oh, God. No. <laughs> Just no. Fucking sideways thing? No. Yeah, what are you I doing? Don't. No, no, no. I don't know. It makes me wonder what it is about because, you know, anytime they want to depict like some creepy humanoid figure thing, it's always got to have like its like head tilted to the side or it's like walking funny. I don't. Yeah. It makes me wonder like, what that is. I'm like, is he floating? So did you watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer back in the day? Not really. So I want you to Google Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the gentleman. Am I going to be So scared? it's this creature, <laughs> which is the fucking creepiest creature. And now they don't wear hats. I'm scared. I'm look it up too. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So they kind of remind me of Jim Carrey in the mask. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like probably one of the greatest episodes of Buffy called Hush. These creatures floated. No. So they would come out at night while people were asleep and steal their voices. So the entire episode up until like the last few minutes um is completely silent and it, all of the characters are like um writing to each other or like gesturing or like uh signing to each other. Um, There's no music the or anything in this episode. There there is music okay. but like all of this all of the dialogue is gone oh. and it's such a well produced episode but yeah these guys just show up outside people's houses and they have these other like guys in like open straight jackets that run around alongside them but the gentlemen <laughs> float and this story just reminded me of the gentleman because I'm just imagining that fucking wide brimmed hat man just floating along the fence Ugh. yeah it's creepy I've actually thought about watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer now yeah because i i think i saw an episode here and there when i was younger but i never actually sat down and watched it mm -hmm. i might do that yeah i'd be interested to see what you think of it now because obviously buffy has a lot of nostalgia for me because yeah. i watched it when it was first aired i didn't watch it the whole way through i would like watch like half a season or i catch an episode or you know i'd watch a full season maybe so i hadn't seen every episode but like since like streaming made it so much easier i've watched the entire series through maybe three times okay. it's like it's like a comfort show for me yeah <laughs> and joss whedon is a piece of shit nobody needs to tell me that like he is so cringe and he thinks he's like this great like feminist writer like that he does great but it's clearly that he just has a kink for pretty girls punching people um, did you hear that there's a theory that he murdered somebody what no yes Yes. Allegedly, in our opinion. But yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, I just heard this recently because there was, sorry to go off track, but. No, it's fine. Um, I want to know this. He kept pitching this like idea of like a show where a woman is found hanging from a tree on fire in LA. Oh. And then this just happened recently. Oh, and God. it was like determined to be a suicide, but it's like, how could she hang herself and light herself on fire? Holy fuck. Yeah. It's creepy. I was like, what the fuck? That's scary. <laughs> 
That is scary because he's kind of been blacklisted from Hollywood too since like everything came out like about how he used to treat people on set like Charisma Carpenter who played Cordelia came out and said that like he treated her really poorly and like most telling was Sarah Michelle Gellar did not like dispute it. She sort of like threw her support behind the women that were coming forward saying that he like bullied them and treated them really badly and obviously like she was she was the main character so she might have got treated a little bit differently to everybody else. But um, I think it's pretty telling. She might also just be a good person and she didn't want to be like, well, this didn't happen to me, so it didn't happen. Right. I hate those people. That was pretty much, yeah, pretty much what she came out and said was like, it didn't happen to me, but I'm not saying it didn't happen. Like, you know. Yeah believe these women when they're telling you this so also never be that person when a bunch of people are like oh i was abused by this person don't ever be that person who was like well they were nice to me yeah unless you're like in a court case and they're asking you to be like exactly what is it called character reference character reference i was gonna say character witness (laughs) (laughs) no that can be a character witness okay yeah buffy's good and it gets it really finds its groove i think maybe around season three the first couple of seasons it's very cheesy okay you know it's very like teenager and all that stuff but then as she like gets older and the show matures with her it's when it gets really 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 good i'll keep that in mind like best like real different episodes like there's like as i mentioned that episode hush they also have a musical episode which is not as bad as it sounds. <laughs> it's actually very good, but like it all makes sense within the universe. So. so the other account that I have, which brings us to the modern world, is actually we're going all the way to the Great White North, to Canada in the 1970s, where a anthropologist did a folklore paper on the phenomenon of hagging, which <laughs> Emily's face is like, what? What? Uh, which is what it sounds like. As we've seen come up a lot, um, the creature that is sitting on people's chests is an old gnarled woman because what's scarier than a woman aging? (laughs) (laughs) Wrinkles and gray hair, it's terrifying. But in Newfoundland, the creature is called the hag or it's also called agrog. Isn't that a guy from the Beastie Boys? Agrog, is it? (laughs) Just being a shithead. (laughs) Okay, no. So the old hag phenomenon is called Agrog, described by residents of Newfoundland in the 1970s. So believers attributed paralysis, pressure on the chest, and other symptoms to blood that has stagnated, excessive work, or an enemy who wants to harm the sleeper. All right. And that's where we get into hagging. So hagging is a verb... Wherein you set the old hag on someone. <laughs> Let's go out hagging, everybody. <laughs> there are some like pretty interesting accounts that have been collected, but I, I chose one that I thought was ah, pretty gnarly. <laughs> it goes like this. I saw only one actual person who experienced the hag. It was the year 1915, and it concerns three people, Robert, John, and Jean. Robert was a Salvation Army school teacher. John was just an ordinary workman. Robert was trying to date Jean, who was John's steady girlfriend. About a month after this had been going on, Robert began to be hagged. Every night when he went to bed, it was as if someone was pressing across his chest. It's as if he was being strangled. Robert became so sick that the people he boarded with thought he was going to die. But one night, an old man suggested that Robert place a piece of board directly across his chest with an opened up pocket knife held between his hands. It was hoped that when the hag came to lie across his chest, the hag would be killed. However, in the morning, when Robert got up, he found that the knife was sticking into the piece of board. Only for the board, Robert would have been killed. Perhaps because the hag thought she had killed Robert, she never came back again. Robert knew that John was the person who was hagging him. He put it down to jealousy on John's part. Both men were about the same age, between 18 and 20 years old. In this case, the hagging was male against male. Robert told the people that he stayed with that the hag was human. He could hear it coming and could recognize it, but when it came, he couldn't speak. He could only make throaty noises. The hag just walked in or appeared while Robert was sleeping, but he woke up while he was being hagged. Robert said that he was lying on his back and he was usually under stress. The hag was brought about by a curse. It always affected his throat and always took his breath away. The way to call a hag, Robert later learned, was to say the Lord's Prayer backwards in the name of the devil. The only way to avoid the hag was by drawing blood or using the word of God and keeping the light on in the bedroom. Although Robert was hagged, he always spoke freely about the whole thing whenever anyone asked him. I have I have one question about this. Yes. It said he had a pocket knife. Yeah. To kill. To kill the hag. How big was his pocket knife? 
But when he woke up, it was stuck in a board, the board that he had across his chest. It's just so interesting to me because if you think about like, oh, yeah, he's got a pocket knife. He's going to hold it and the thing's going to like sit on the pocket knife. What? And get yeah. like a butt injury? Because <laughs> right. I don't... the. The blades aren't usually that long. I think she used to needle on their chest. I think the hag was a needler rather than a sitter. So a knee injury. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, oh, and he had a pocket knife open. It's like, <laughs> and what are you going to do with it? I don't know, man. But yeah, those are the accounts in the modern age of sleep paralysis and hagging. If uh, anybody listening is from Newfoundland, please tell me, is hagging still a thing there? Because it sounds absolutely fascinating. Can you imagine somebody pissed you off at school? <laughs> it's like, yeah, she got hagged. She's not going to be in today. <laughs> Little Susie was hagged last night. She won't be in. <laughs> <laughs> Just to stave off some nightmares, I thought I'd finish off with um, what the treatment is scientifically for sleep paralysis. Because though we've gone through all of this, we all know that it's pretty easily explainable. We have explained before now that it's your brain upon waking or just going into REM sleep. So if you suffer from sleep paralysis or you're afraid of sleep paralysis, there are ways to stave it off. So because it's facilitated by chronic sleep deprivation or an irregular sleep-wake schedule, it's important to be informed about sleep hygiene and the necessity of obtaining sufficient sleep, which they have listed as seven to nine hours per night. And and don't they say to usually try to maintain a fairly regular schedule? Yes. Adhere to regular sleep-wake schedules whenever possible. Theoretically, because sleep paralysis occurs most frequently in the supine position, patients may be advised to sleep in a lateral or prone position after travel across multiple time zones. The occurrence of sleep paralysis in sitting positions, such as in airplanes, has never been reported. Interesting. If patients have bed partners, they may be instructed to touch the subject when low vocalizations occur in the morning before awakening. Wow. Which has happened to me. Ewan says that, like, he's woken me up sometimes. And I'll not, like, remember, like, the nightmare. But obviously, I'm trying to, like, be woken up or make noise. And he says that I'll just be like making like little grunting noises or like squeaking noises in my sleep. <laughs> like, you know, trying to tell him to wake me up. So, yeah, that's interesting. The other night, apparently I was crying in my sleep and Medardo was like, and I didn't want to wake you up because I didn't want you to be like disoriented. Yeah. And I was like, if I'm crying in my sleep, please wake me up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not having a good time. Right? This is not a chill time. OK, <laughs> exactly. I'm not enjoying my rest. <laughs> So yeah, that is my episode on sleep paralysis. Loved it. All of the creatures are pretty interesting. As I said, one of the sources said there are 118 different creatures and terms for sleep paralysis. So obviously this is just a glimpse into it. Obviously, if there's something that's happening to millions of people all the time, people across cultures are going to come up with different explanations for it. So that's where you get all that rich history. And then scientists went and ruined the whole thing. So fuck them yeah they were like hagging <laughs> hagging how about you didn't wake up properly <laughs> right <laughs> you're stressed out and your sleep is not on point <laughs> yeah there was it actually kind of made me feel bad so when one of the in the Hatman forum on reddit one of the posts was like a woman saying that like her sleep paralysis she's always suffered from it and she's always seen the hat man but she said it's like tripled since she had her baby and oh no. not one person said to her i'm like yeah that's because your sleep is fucked up you just had a baby right and maybe like there's some postpartum stuff going on yeah it's like please get yourself checked out maybe call like a family member so you can get some proper sleep yeah yeah because like clearly if like she's waking up for feedings and all of that like she's never gonna achieve a full sleep cycle <laughs> yeah it's gonna be all screwed up yeah poor lady hopefully her kid is getting older and she's able to rest more mm -hmm. yeah so shout out to you random reddit lady <laughs> yeah so we hope you enjoyed this little tour around the world through sleep paralysis demons um I also am really enjoying that meme, people talking about their sleep paralysis demon when they see like just a random celebrity who looks a bit creepy. <laughs> what? Like, they'll be like, it'll be like Ellen DeGeneres. And I'll be like, oh, this is my sleep paralysis demon. 
<laughs> like, yeah, it'd be pretty terrifying if she was in the background of your, your bedroom. Yeah, I wouldn't want Ellen in my bedroom. She'd probably be yelling at me. She'd be like, why are you in bed? Do something. <laughs> Making tone-deaf jokes all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to contribute to our listener stories cash that we're building, a little source of all of our listener stories that um, people are getting in contact with after our episodes there. If you want to contribute your own story and uh, have it read out on the podcast, you can email us at rowanandpinepod at gmail.com. So the and is spelled out. We also have a Instagram page. It's just at Rowan and Pine. We have a Facebook page. If you search for Rowan and Pine podcast. And we're also on YouTube. Uh, if you want to search for Rona Pine podcast on YouTube. So we don't have any video podcasts up there, but if it's something you want to just stick on in the background while you do some housework or if it's something you've already listened to so you can fall asleep. I heard people do that. It sounds good. Like Neve said, if you want to message us your stories or if you have comments or questions for us, just reach out. We'll respond. Please just be nice. <laughs> if you're going to correct us, just do it in a polite way. That's all I ask. I'm fragile. <laughs> We're very sensitive. <laughs> I love that you went from like at the start when I was like, please be nice. And you're like, I don't care. <laughs> and now you're like, no, 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 actually be nice. Now. As much as I would love to think that I'm tough and I'm like, yeah, screw you. I'm like, no. Be nice to me, please. <laughs> it's because we're both like that personality type where we like do everything correctly. So yeah, uh, if we know that we fucked up on something, like was it Davis telling me the last day that I referred to Tornado Alley as the Tornado Corridor? That is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like you said it, and I was like, yes, Tornado Corridor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I got that from. But as you guys said, it really classes up the joint. Yeah, you made it sound way more sophisticated. <laughs> My name is Emily. And my name is Naive. And fuck yeah, folklore, because we didn't say it last yeah. time. <laughs> oh no, fuck yeah, folklore. Thank you so much for listening to Rowan and Pine and tell your friends about it. Uh, submit a review. Give us five stars, please. Maybe four stars if you're not like the biggest fan. If you're a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.